0: Welcome to another episode of Doe, a podcast discussing dough cases from around the world. I'm Kat.
1: And I'm Allie. And we have a new sound setup. Yay! We're so
0: excited. Um, do you want to describe it? Because I don't know what I'm looking at.
1: Uh, so we got a new mixer. Yeah. And we got some new mics. Mm-hmm. And we got some new foam things for those mics. And they're on like these arms. It's really, really exciting, We're, you guys. we like, legit now. I dove deep into my brain and pulled out first year film school audio knowledge, and I know nothing about this. so,
0: um, what shall we start with? I guess first, an addendum to last episode's forensic <gasps> yes. facts. So I had totally forgotten with the whole like lip print thing that police
1: and investigators actually used to believe it was like fingerprints i think um my quote exactly from that episode was nobody in their right mind would ever think that this was a thing so i take that back
0: so no they they used to think that um there are definitely some retired cops that still think that but we now know that that's not true anyway um for this episode we kind of went in a spookier direction because Halloween. We will be releasing in October. So Ooh, it's a spooky, spooky month. So, for my forensic fact, instead of my junk science, I guess this is kind of one of the creepier forensic things. I'm going to talk about something that I learned from blood spatter experts that Ooh. came in to talk to us. This is kind of a funny thing and also <laughs> kind of gross. So, they were talking about first testing um, alcohol on the dilution of blood. So, how they did that was the forensic scientists themselves got drunk on vodka and took (laughs) blood samples, took blood samples and then compared it to their blood samples. They got drunk for science. (laughs) They got drunk for science. Um, The other thing they were talking about is, so in order to recognize different blood spatter patterns, they'll do things like dragging hair through blood so they can recognize it in actual crime scenes. And another one is um, the aspiration blood. So if like, at a scene recognizing that blood came from someone's mouth. So the way they tested that was putting blood in their own mouths and, Ew. like, spitting it out.
1: I mean, how else were you going to do was that,
0: though? pretty, it was, like, horrifying, but also kind of amazing. That's pretty,
1: again, so for science. Yeah, for
0: science. So, yeah, I thought that went well with our Halloween, and it also kind of made me laugh because we're all like, you guys did what? What's going on with the blood spatter experts?
1: Can I just bring up the brief period in my life where I thought the blood splatter was not a thing because of the staircase documentary oh, and you God. had to be like, no, Allison, it's, it's a thing. It's a thing. Stupid. It's just there are bad scientists.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's like one of those things where, again, with any evidence, it has to be backed up by other evidence. Like you can't really have anything. Even DNA has its faults. So you can't have anything be like the sole evidence to convict anybody and anything. But yeah, I guess that covers the forensic stuff. Forensic fact. So shall we get into the cases? Yes, our spooky cases. I'm so excited too. Okay, so I am doing what I believe is the oldest Doe case in Canada. Ooh. Mm -hmm. And to start, my sources for this case are the Doe Network, the Battleford's News Optimist, Uh, An article written by Joan Champ, and two articles from the Star Phoenix. The first one dated December 16th, 1912. The second dated November 23rd, 1927. I finally made use of my newspapers.com subscription for this. Yeah, It was fun. It was fun. Found a lot of ads about horses. So, on June 29th, 2006, in the Sutherland neighborhood of Saskatoon, Saskatchewan, Workers were removing fuel tanks from an old gas station on the west corner of Central Avenue and 108th Street. While excavating, they uncovered an old well, and in that well was an old wooden barrel. And in the barrel, the workers discovered a woman's body wrapped in a burlap sack. The woman was white, with light brown reddish hair and a prominent nose. She was 5'1 and approximately 25 to 35 years old there was evidence that her upper left arm had been sawed off, and her mandible was not found, while her maxillary teeth showed signs of periodontal disease treated with dental work.
1: Um, I absolutely knew what this was at one point. Can you just refresh me on what a mandible is? Um, that's the lower jaw, then the maxilla is the upper jaw. Gotcha. Okay, cool. I'm just curious
0: about the upper left arm being sawed off, because it, it the way that it's worded made it sound like Part of the arm was sawed off, but I wonder if they mean the arm was sawed off at, like, the humorous, or... I... And I don't, I I guess there must be evidence that the bone had saw marks or something. Yeah, or else, like, that seems like a weird thing to assume. Right? Yeah, so that was the detail where I was like, that's weird. The woman was wearing a long skirt, a blouse with a high collar, and a fitted jacket meant for spring or autumn, which Carol Wakabayashi, a clothing and textile historian, dated to between 1910 and 1920. She was also found with an 18-karat gold necklace with a missing pendant from either Europe or a place influenced by European culture like Montreal. On top of the remains were a balled-up men's vest and trousers, which investigators speculate belonged to the killer. So I will show you the clothing. So right there. I can't figure oh, out how to make yeah. it bigger. No, See that? that's,
1: Yeah, I was going to ask about the necklace.
0: And that's the necklace.
1: There oh, seems to be a know. pendant, so I don't know
0: if this is a recreation of the pendant that they think may have been on it. And to me, it looks like a locket. Like, it looks like you could open that up. So I think maybe the necklace was found like that. I don't know if this is the actual one or not. Dr. Ernie Walker, an archaeologist, believes the woman was murdered between 1920 and 1924. However, despite being murdered almost 90 years ago, her body and the clothing were preserved by the mix of water from the well and the gasoline from the gas station. Wow. Because remember, they were able to say what kind of nose she had.
1: I didn't even catch that. That's... right. Incredible. At first,
0: I thought this was skeletal because don't work. It's a skeletal, but your nose does not survive when you're fully skeletonized. No. So she was pretty well preserved for something like 90 years.
1: Wow. I had no idea that gasoline could do that.
0: Neither did I. I knew water could, but I had no idea about gasoline. That's wild. I know. That's when I was like, what is this case?
1: So at the time of the
0: woman's estimated murder, the Shore Hotel, a three-story brick building with about 30 rooms, sat on the site where the woman's body was found. And here is a picture of the Shore Hotel back in, I don't know, I can't remember what year this one was from. I think this was from the 1917 article or something like that. Okay. Photo by Hilliard. This was from the Saskatoon, like, library archives. So the hotel was built in 1912 and demolished sometime around 1927. Oh wow. And we only know about around when it was demolished because of this notice that appeared in the 1927 article where it says tenders will be received by the undersigned for the pulling down, purchase of material and filling the basement of this building known as the Old Shore Hotel. So sometime after that, the hotel was torn down.
1: And it was only around for like 15 years.
0: The well the woman was found in was used by the hotel from 1912 to 1914. It was abandoned after that because plumbing was installed into the hotel. The hotel itself was occupied until about 1919. So from 1919 to 1927, it was just this derelict building. Wow! And that's why it was torn down because it was like an eyesore and... That is a very short period of time it for it was, to be in operation. Yeah, and the owner, um, William Short, all the articles I was finding, he it looked like he owned a bunch of hotels. He sold it to somebody in 1914. I can't remember the guy's name, and then that guy sold it, and then like the, the bank eventually. And this
1: whole time, she's potentially in that well. Yeah.
0: Wow. Oh, I just thought of something. I really hope she wasn't in the well before they switched to plumbing. Oh no, but if she died in the nineteen twenties,
1: oh yes, that's true. Okay, then well, I mean it's not like an Elisa Lamb situation. Yeah, where that she's was in my, the water. Yeah, so I think it was after that because they would have noticed
0: something. They probably would have. Yeah. Um, Sutherland at that time was a railway town with a population of about a thousand people. So, like, a thousand people, the fact that she went missing and nobody noticed. Yeah. Investigators believe the woman could have been an employee of the hotel or a guest, and they are hoping that people recognize her from her old family photos. And also, based on all of her clothing and everything, they believe she's about, like, middle, upper class,
1: so not yeah. poor. Yeah, like, there's probably, like, she, her family probably had the money to get photos taken. Yeah. DNA? Do we have DNA?
0: They did extract mitochondrial DNA. So the problem is this is Canada. And so we can't do the um, forensic genealogy like they can in the States.
1: Right. So if her relatives on GEDmatch, we're shit out of luck. We can't do anything with that.
0: Well, the police can't do anything. Oh, okay. Like you could, like if anyone using like Ancestry or using GEDmatch, like I told you about the woman in, um, who contacted me because she found that some of our um, we, we're matches on GEDmatch for part of our family. Like that kind of thing. But, the, but investigators can't go in and do it. Right. Because of how our laws are in Canada currently. So that's the downside. Mm-hmm. But they do have our DNA. So if laws change and we end up being like the states with their familial DNA, there's hope. So yeah, I will now show you... Let me find the images they have of her. So here's the two sketches. Oh, wow. So they look kind of, they've done different hairstyles, I guess, that were prominent at the time. She yeah. looks much older in this one. She does. She looks a little school marmy in that one. Yeah. But you can see they've done the prominent nose. Here's the clay bus, which look very close to these ones. To the ones by Victoria Lywood. I can't see who signed that one, but that Victoria Lywood did... A couple of these renditions of her and they also have like this mannequin they've set up of i don't think that's the clothing she was found and i think it's a mm, recreation yeah that's definitely a recreation yeah, of the clothing of what she was wearing at
1: the time i really want to know the story behind this like i obviously this is what the whole podcast is but it's just because it's such an old case you don't even really know what the circumstances could possibly exactly. be exactly and even if they find out who she is Probably not going to figure, figure out, out how she got in that way well. or who
0: killed her or anything, unless they can find DNA from the killer on her or oh, something, man. which that's
1: very, that's unlikely. a long shot, yeah.
0: So at this point, it's literally just trying to figure out who she is. So, yeah, they're hoping that all these facial approximations and the mannequin with her clothing, people will be looking through old family photos and go, Oh, that looks like so and so. And because Sutherland was a railway town, she could have just come from anywhere and just been stopping in briefly and
1: that sounds plausible to me because i feel like in a town of a thousand someone is going to miss you exactly so she has to have been from outside of the town because because if you're just one person in that town chances are at least like a tenth of that town is probably your immediate family exactly but it reminds me of like the case
0: with baby andrew where um a bun like her immediate family was all like in the same place Totally, yeah. So, yeah, this one, I I think she just traveled from outside of town. But uh, one thing I did see that there were lots of newspaper articles of, like, ads of family looking for their missing relatives. Because that was really the only way to do it back then is you would kind of, in the classifieds, you'd put a little ad of, like, who your
1: missing relative is, what they look like, and trying to find them. It's kind of like when someone posts something on Facebook now. Exactly. This is, like, the old school version.
0: So, yeah, that is the oldest doe case in canada and the reason i i want to give the reason why i chose these as spooky cases yeah is i was thinking of where like the creepiest places to find bodies are so i was like unidentified body found in attic in well in the walls in basement that kind of thing and this is one of the ones that came up for in a well
1: um, so you kind of went with, uh, when you were searching for spooky things, you were looking at where they were found? Yep. I was looking at what people had found.
0: Ooh. So
1: I am doing the cases of the Battersea Mystery and the Thames Torso Murders. My major sources are an article by Gerard Spicer on Casebook.org, and a user named Archaic on the forum on Casebook.org uploaded some articles from The Time that are from The Lancet and The Chronicle. So thank you for sharing those. I also used Wikipedia, Unidentified Wiki, morbidblog.wordpress.com, whitechapeljack.com, and I also used a great article on the University of Leicester site by Emma Battelle Lohman. Also, just a disclaimer that this is a case with six, potentially eight bodies and a ton of body parts just like all over the place, um, all found in like similar areas. (laughs) So I tried really hard to make sure that I'm saying things accurately but also some sources have discrepancies so two bodies were found in london one in 1873 and one in 1874 and these are obviously murders because they're both dismembered the left side of a woman's torso was found by a policeman on september 5th 1873 in some mud off of the thames in battersea which is a district in south london on the south side of the thames okay they found her right side off of Brunswick Wharf and parts of her lungs near a railway pier and by Old Battersea Bridge. At this point, the press was thinking this was just a practical joke. Um, I'm, oh, hmm hmm They thought that it was carried out by medical students using a cadaver. Okay, as soon as you said practical joke and I was like, what? Then I was like, oh, medical students. Yes. Yeah. Very funny medical students, but... Yeah unfortunately they were dead wrong was that a pun i didn't mean it <laughs> well as i was saying it i was like yeah that's a pun i'm doing it that, that's that's a pun for it um so soon after a right breast was found at nine elms which is the northeastmost tip of battersea then they found a left forearm they found what a left forearm
0: okay so we've got the left side we've got the right side we've got parts of lungs yes we have the
1: right breast and now we have the left forearm And after that, they found a pelvis and a right thigh in Woolwich, and a right shoulder with part of an arm attached in Greenwich. Okay. They also found her head along with her detached scalp in Limehouse, and a thigh and another shoulder. Okay, so that'd be the left thigh, the left shoulder. Sounds like it. So her nose and her chin were cut off. What? And she had short, dark hair, and she had kind of like, um a bit of a faint mustache on her upper lip, and she appeared to be in her 40s and apparently had died from a blow to the back of the head. She also had a distinctive burn scar on her left breast, which I think must have still been connected to a piece of the torso. Oh, that would make sense. Yeah. The acting chief surgeon at the time, Thomas Bond, with the Metropolitan Police, and Dr. Kempster, the local police surgeon, put the corpse back together on a frame. They also stretched her face out on a butcher block, I guess because that showed her facial features more. Oh, I have heard this case because I remember that and thinking, why? I feel so bad for the person who had to do that. That does not sound like a good day at the office. The police showed a photograph to possible witnesses to the crime before showing them the actual body to make sure that they were actually witnesses and they didn't just want to see a dead body because there were true crime fans. Since the beginning of time. Also, stretching out the face isn't going to help with recognition. Because
0: you're going to stretch it out. And it's not going to look anything close. It would have made more sense to just leave her face
1: as is. And be closer to as it actually was. Yeah. Yes. Also, some sources say that she was, um, her throat was slit. And, like, that would, I feel like they maybe said that was the cause of death. But if she was decapitated, that seems really obvious to me that her throat was slit. Yeah. Yeah. Also, people wanted to sketch the remains probably to sell that as well because they don't have like photographs like they can't just take out their iphone and take a photo so here's a quote from a local newspaper called the lancet and this was found on casebook.org contrary to popular opinion the body had not been hacked but dexterously cut up the joints have been opened and the bones neatly disarticulated even the complicated joints at the ankle and the elbow and it is only at the articulations of the hip, joint, and shoulder that the bones have been sawn through. Oh.
0: Yeah. Because normally when they're like, with medical precision with things, they are talking about, I don't know, just how neat the cuts are. But this sounds like, no, the person knew where all the bits were. like, And they knew. And they
1: opened up the skin to find them and then like... Like, what is separated? what I'm thinking, I don't know if this is what is actually what happened, but what I'm thinking is, you know, like, when you've got your thigh and your drumstick chicken leg thing, and you just kind of, like, break them apart? I'll say yes, but I've never done that. Oh, I really love dark meat, so that's... There was a verdict found by a jury for, quote, willful murder against some person or persons unknown, unquote. Despite a 200-pound reward offered... Leads and tips did not lead to the killer. This is the equivalent of 21,500 pounds today. She was buried later that month in Battersea Cemetery. So someone was convicted of the murder? No, they just found a verdict that this happened and...
0: Oh, so, okay. So it was a jury was
1: used to figure out that a murder happened? It happens a lot in these cases where they just bring a jury in to be like, what do you think happened?
0: Is that like an old timey thing? I guess so. Okay. Because I'm
1: just like... Yeah, I realize now that, like, I... It's like I sh- grabbing, like, a pile of people off the street. What do you think happened? <laughs> yeah, basically. Yeah. Okay. So, they preserved her face, I'm thinking probably with a death mask. Oh, yeah. But I haven't been able to find any photos of that. Yeah. Uh, so, that was in September 1873. Okay. So, now we are jumping to June 1874. Another female body was found dismembered in the Thames, this time in Putney, still in London, a southwest district. The body had no head. Okay. And only one of her limbs was still attached, and it was a leg. Oh, so they found her torso with a leg yes. attached. I thought it 100%. to the head, and I was like, what? <laughs> we're getting into, like, some weird Toy Story. It was, things Toy were getting Story, weird type stuff. Okay, so, casebook says that the body had, quote, being divided at the spinal column, unquote. So I'm just picturing her flayed out like when you're deboning a fish? Yeah, I I think so. That's what that sounds like, right? It does. So, I can't think of what else it would mean. Cruesome. Um, so the body had been covered in lime before being dumped. Caitlin's giving me a look right now like we've heard that before. Man, people
0: have not changed with the lime. Nope. I want I now I'm curious about the very first case used about with Lyme because I that'd think that's be a new goal of this
1: podcast. Yes, is to find the oldest Lyme case. The jury again, they brought in a bunch of people okay. to be like, "What happened? You it's tell like, us." Investigators, that's your job. <laughs> yeah. Um, so the jury came to an open verdict, which means that they confirmed that the death was suspicious, but they couldn't definitively say what caused it. So these two bodies are known as the Battersea mystery. And now we're going to jump to the late 1880s.
0: I just have to say, normally with cases when it says the something something mystery, it's usually something kind of benign. Yes. Or like a natural phenomenon that's happened. It's like
1: we're hearing these weird sounds in the so woods. So to
0: hear it for something so horrific is
1: really weird. It is really weird. <laughs> like that's very strange. I actually saw it called the Battersea Mystery on the um, unidentified person's like Wikipedia page. And I was like... That can't you're be like about you're like that can't be about like people. No, it's a mystery. Like uh now we're going to go to the late 1880s. We're going to go to the Thames Torso Murders, which have also been called the Embankment Murders or the Thames Mysteries. Again with Again the mysteries. mysteries. Yep. <laughs> well, I don't know. Uh just for reference, the Jack the Ripper killings were happening in 1888. So some people think that the Thames Torso Killer and Jack are one in the same, and some people do not. I do personally think that the Battersea Mystery murders and these murders are probably connected, but I don't think I necessarily think that Jack did these. No, things. it's too different. And also, like, there can definitely be two serial killers in the same city at the same As time. As we've seen proven yes. time
0: and time again. Hello, 1970s. Just that whole decade. Just that whole
1: serial killer decade. So, here are the four murders that make up the Thames Torso murders. Okay. The first one is called the Rainham Mystery. The first victim was found in pieces over the spring of 1887 in the Thames near Rainham, which is in East London near Essex. Okay. By the end of it, they had found all of her body parts other than the head and the top part of her torso. The first body part found was a wrapped up torso, I guess this was the lower half, in the river... I couldn't figure out what it was wrapped up in. Uh, So experts at the time thought the crime was done by someone who knew how to cut up animals and maybe had some knowledge of anatomy, but they didn't go so far to say that a doctor did it. The verdict from the jury in this case was found dead because they couldn't find signs of violence on the woman. I think the fact that she was found cut up and dismembered seems like violence enough for me to say she was murdered. No signs of violence upon this dismembered, headless woman. Found in the river. (sighs) <sighs> okay. Okay, so the second one is called the Whitehall Mystery. Uh Oh no, I'm th- Whitechapel was where one of the Jack the Ripper yes. things happened. Okay. Um so the second victim was found in September and October 1888. Morbidworldblog.wordpress.com mentions that because of the timing, perhaps this killing was motivated by the attention that Jack the Ripper was getting mm. while the Torso Killer didn't seem to be getting as much press.
0: And we have seen that before where serial
1: killers are like, Pay attention w- to me. <laughs> I want to be popular. Yeah, I'm paying attention. Um, so they found two arms in two different places one in the river and one by a road. And then they found the torso wrapped up in the construction site for the building of the new Scotland Yard. Oh. Which very much seems like he is sending a message. Oh, yeah. He's like, Hey, cops. I'm here. What Deal up? with it. Yeah. Um, so press at the time called it the Whitehall mystery. Again, they couldn't definitively say how she died, but it looked like someone who knew about body parts. Did they at least agree
0: that it was violence? I actually didn't see a
1: jury conclusion for the Whitehall mystery. Did they maybe decide to stop consulting juries? (laughs) Perhaps. Our verdict is dead. (laughs) Thank you so much for that jury. (laughs) Like, Like, uh, (laughs) like, I know. I will never get over that. I know. I know. Okay, so I found a quote by Dr. Charles Hibbert on casebook.org. He wasn't the one, like, posting this on casebook.org. He died a very oh, long time ago. I thought it was, like, a modern doctor. No, um, this was just, like, a. I don't know what um, article this is from, but I just found it on casebook.org. Okay, so, like, a quote from a doctor at the time? Yes. Okay. Quote, I thought the arm was cut off by a person who, while he was not necessarily an anatomist, certainly knew what he was doing, who knew where the joints were, and cut them pretty regularly. Unquote.
0: Okay, so kind of implying that not necessarily
1: anyone in the doctor field, but could be a butcher. Yes, I feel like part of this is maybe not wanting to anchor doctors.
0: It, it kind of sounds be. like that.
1: So the next body is actually identified. Oh, I'm sneaking an identified one in our end. That's identified. okay. Uh, so she was Elizabeth Jackson. She was found in June 1889 but um, was later identified, so they didn't know it was her at the time, right when they found her. She was a probable sex worker, it wasn't verified, but it sounds like that was probably the situation, from Chelsea, who was eight months pregnant at the time of her death. I know. And she was also homeless at the time. (sighs) I know. Her torso was found on the opposite side of the Thames from the Tower of London. Her internal organs had been removed and her genitals were mutilated, which was not like the other dismembered bodies found previously. That sounds more like Jack the Ripper. Yeah, that's exactly what I was thinking. Uh, Morbid World blog mentioned that there was even a Jack the Ripper letter sent to the press after this torso was found. But by this time, there were so many Ripper letter f- like fakes yeah. that nobody really took it seriously or thought it was actually him. Uh, her arm was found by a few boys playing on the river. They saw the arm against the embankment and realized it was a human arm and gave it to the police so good on you boys i just have to
0: also contrast it with modern things of people coming across a body is nowadays it's
1: like i thought it was a mannequin back then
0: i guess it wouldn't, so that wasn't true. their first thought it was like
1: oh no that's human i also um the boys finding it while they were playing really reminded me of the rosie case
0: yep yeah, and so many cases. kids are just really good at finding dead
1: bodies well
0: i guess they're out playing and they're like like Also, dinosaur bones. They're very good at finding dinosaurs.
1: One is obviously a lot more exciting than the other. Yeah. Yeah. A lot more wholesome. Dr. Kempster, who we met earlier, said that it had been in the water for less than 24 hours and it was in a garment that had the name L.E. Fisher on it.
0: Okay. And that's why they had an easier time figuring out who it was. Oh, wait. No, her name was Jackson. She was Elizabeth
1: Jackson. Oh. There was a London Times quote, and I found this on Gerard Spicer's dissertation on casebook.org about the whole Thames mm. torso murders. Uh, quote, Tuesday, left leg and thigh off Battersea, lower part of the abdomen at Horsley Down. Thursday, the liver near Nine Elms, upper part of the body in Battersea Park. Neck and shoulders off Battersea. Friday, right foot and part of leg at Wandsworth. Left leg and foot at Limehouse. Saturday, Left arm and hand at Bankside. Buttocks and pelvis off Battersea. Right thigh at Chelsea Embankment. Yesterday, I guess this was on a Monday. um, Right arm and hand at Bankside. So they are just like finding Elizabeth everywhere. Oh, that's crazy. Yeah. But despite never finding her head, Elizabeth's friends were able to identify her by the wrist scars she had since she was a child. And her clothing, which had been purchased secondhand and still had the previous owner's name on them. Mm. So her life seems really bleak and sad. And I want to go give her a hug. And that one.
0: That one seems like a weird mix of the other torso murders and
1: Jack the Ripper. Yeah, Jack, yeah. It's true. Like, the genital mutilation and like it sounded like her guts were just out.
0: Yeah, like intestine removal was something Jack also did.
1: And it doesn't say what happened to the fetus. Yeah. So that's really Yeah. Sad. That, that one's weird. It is weird. It's like a weird little little like mix. intersection of the two. Um so the police were able to piece together Elizabeth's movements leading up to her death, but they couldn't figure out who the killer was. This time finally the jury ruled it as a murder. Oh, hello, jury. Finally, <laughs> finally. Um. So, Mr. Braxton Hicks, who has got to be the same Braxton Hicks that is the contractions are named after. I'm assuming this is that Braxton Hicks. Huh? Oh, so there's a thing called Braxton Hicks contractions, which is like false labor. Oh. So that's what that's called. So this oh. is. I'm assuming this is the same guy that. Hey, maybe it's probably right. Um. So he held an inquest where it was found that quote. The division of the parts showed skill and design, not, however, the anatomical skill of a surgeon, but the practical knowledge of a butcher or a knacker. There is a great similarity between the condition as regarded cutting up of the remains and those found at Rainham and at the new police building on the Thames Embankment, unquote. And I think I found that quote on casebook.org.
0: So that's kind of a contrast with the Battersea ones then, because those were, there was an emphasis that Those joints were opened up and carefully extracted.
1: So, um, yeah, there is a discrepancy there. So if
0: it is the same person, maybe they just didn't want to take the time anymore. Like they wanted to have quantity over quality.
1: Yes. Or I feel like it's way too soon for anybody to be thinking about MO, but maybe he wanted to switch it up
0: that's sure because we have seen that
1: before. Yeah. Also a note if you're wondering what a knacker is. I was actually I was wondering too. Uh thanks to dictionary.com I now know that it is a person who this is quote a person who buys animal carcasses or slaughters useless livestock for a knackery or rendering works, which is a factory that processes livestock carcasses into tallow, hides, fertilizer, etc. Basically um it's where it's like a butcher but they're not being butchered. Yes, yeah, the rendering for, yeah. So, here is the fourth. Oh, right. Okay, so we're at three. Okay. Yeah. So, this is the Pynchon Street Torso. So, this is in September 1889. And the previous one was June 1889? Yes. Okay.
0: So, the first one, okay, the first one was June 1888.
1: The second one was September-October The first one was spring, 1887. The second one was September and October, 1888. Okay. The third one, Elizabeth Jackson, was found in June, 1889. And this is September, 1889. Okay. Uh, Another torso, this time without a head and without legs, but with arms, was found in Whitechapel. Oh. By Constable William Pennett on Pynchon Street under a railway arch. Okay. The theory is that she was dismembered somewhere else and dumped there. This really made people think that Jack the Ripper was back at it, but this murder is not canonical in the Jack the Ripper cases. Her body was buried in a cemetery in East London. That's about all I know about that one.
0: Oh. No jury? No, I, no, I don't think... I If they did, it, they probably just... Was it just death and we don't know if it was violent? I will never get over that. I
1: know. <laughs> I'm so salty. <laughs> like... Like, seriously, like, I just imagine us time traveling or going back and being like, what? We're just staying behind them? Mm -hmm. Are you Mm -hmm. serious? Is that what you think? Is that what you think? Really? Thank you for telling us that. What were the dates for the Battersea again? It was... They were? uh, September and June? uh, The first one was found September 5th, 1873. And the second one was found... June eighteen seventy
0: four. Yeah, I'm just finding it interesting that the dates they're all being found are very similar. They're
1: mostly June and September. Yeah, there's only one in the spring, which was the first, the Rainham mystery. That's strange. It is strange. It's like he, it's like he gets like an urge at a certain time. Mm-hmm. If the Battersea and the Thames torso murders are the same.
0: Yeah, but I think that kind of is a little a nudge in them being related. Is I would because totally that's say strange. it is strange, and also like it's already bold enough for someone to be disposing of a body without being caught, but to be disposing of that many parts of a body in so what, many what places. I believe is residential areas. They sounded like it's in like a park. Yeah, like it's so easy to be caught because. People, it wasn't like the city just stopped. Oh, how am I trying to say? Because it? it's not like everyone just stopped being out on the streets at a certain time in a like still in a main city. People, like yeah. everybody's. So there's such a huge risk of being caught. I think that so he many liked times. It. I think
1: with this one specifically, and the one where he left it um, at the scotland yard like he i think he's like getting off on like he's probably i would say this is just me totally spitballing but i feel like he probably would have gone like in daylight when there's like kids playing and their mom's there and he'd probably be like yeah i'm gonna leave this here because like getting, i'm getting off that i'm doing this and people are in public and this they could be seeing me sort of like exhibitionism except yes. with murder that is my theory about this guy yeah
0: yeah because otherwise that's so many risks it's so many risks wow with Elizabeth Jackson, I'm still not convinced that that's not
1: It seems Jack very the Ripper. Jack
0: Ripper. And also one thing I'm noticing is they were able to identify all of Jack the Ripper's victims.
1: And she was identified. That's another point, yeah. But all the other ones, all other ones are unidentified. So I'm kind of I you know what? I said that I thought that um that this was not Jack. I think that's a really good point that perhaps Elizabeth was Jack. That one, one I'm going to put
0: under the question mark category, because... I think the rest weren't, but I no, think No, the rest one, for sure not, but
1: that one, there's just too many similarities that I can't help but... Here's what the Metropolitan Police thought at the time. Uh, these murders were not connected to Jack the Ripper, despite them occurring at a similar time and having similarities because the MO was different. The website Gadgers Daily does a good rundown of the three main differences between the two. Jack killed his victims on the street and didn't move them anywhere, and he didn't decapitate his victims. The Thames Torso Killer did decapitate his victims, and he moved them to a different location. Also, Jack's victims were in their 40s, while the Thames Torso Murderer's victims are in their 20s. Mm. But if you include Battersea, the first Battersea mystery was... in their 40s. Yeah. The Gadger's Daily article also mentions that we don't know if the Thames Torso Murderer decapitated the heads to conceal their identities, or if he was doing something else with the heads that we don't know about. And
0: don't really want to know about, no. honestly.
1: Nope. There's just, like, as a bit of a... Um, Just like an aside, I guess. Um, Between these two series of murders, in 1884, the torso of a woman was dumped near an armory during a guard shift change. Other body parts belonging to her were found along the Tottenham Court area, including her skull and a tattooed arm, which at the time signaled that she was probably a sex worker. She also seemed to have been dismembered by somebody who knew what they were doing. Also, there is one more murder. Oh. Tied to that case. Uh, near the end of 1884, they found a woman's feet and one arm in a package, and these also seem to be dismembered by a man who knew he- what he was doing. I'm assuming it's a man. Probably. Probably. So, yeah, that's a huge theme that someone knows what they're doing. So, those two aren't ta- aren't put together with the Thames River. No, they're kind of like um just like a little just like a little aside. Huh. So, if you count these two with the rest, if this is indeed all the same guy, That's eight bodies in total found dismembered in the 1880s that do not seem to be related to Jack the Ripper.
0: Yeah, because I just find it stranger to believe that in between the Battersea and the Thames River, there would be two more dismembered women found not related to... I agree. Like, I I think it's more likely, because also having such a huge gap between 74 and then... This kind of puts it that makes more sense to have two more thrown in there
1: yeah and you know what is very interesting and um the east area rapist is making me think of this maybe there was something like a family or something maybe he was traveling Actually, that brings me to my last point, Ooh. which is there is a book written about the case called The Thames-Torso Murders of Victorian London by R. Michael Gordon, which I want to read. I already saw it on Kobo. Yeah, as soon
0: as you saw that, I'm like, hmm?
1: Yeah. So according to Wikipedia in the book, he speculates that there may be a connection between these murders and a murder in Paris in November 1886 and another murder in London in 1902. I did not have time to read the book before we recorded. That's okay. Okay. So. Uh, there's also a novel by Sarah Pinborough based on the murders. I think it's called Mayhem. Uh, and that also sounds really interesting. So oh. some reading material. Yeah, now I'm just going to go home and like look all this up now. Yeah. Oh, and I also have um, some photos for you. Oh. Um, so here are some uh, illustrations at the time. There's the Whitehall mystery. Oh, I like the the guys above going, ah. Yeah. Also, not what breasts do. No, really not what breasts at do. At all. They're taking some artistic liberties with physics there.
0: Yes. Kind of like a video game.
1: <laughs> yes. And then there's like the torso um, on like a autopsy slab and being taken to the mortuary. And this one says ghastly discoveries in the Thames. And you can see there's men pointing a lot
0: like yep, things yep. are
1: happening and then and i love how the victorian
0: gesture of surprise was one <laughs> arm in the air like ah yes like even
1: the guy like covering up the body is like uh. ah. and then here is the ninth white mystery which i'm assuming is the, Pynchon the pension yeah and i have no idea who any
0: of these dudes are oh. okay that says inspector something that's i think constable something these are the investigators i believe so looking kind of like a boy band they do they they it's look like a late 1880s boy band yeah that's 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 good right there well that one was really interesting so i guess we've already kind of talked all about what we think yeah but now i'm just curious if the bodies being found were like Well, I guess there was the one who was killed by a blow to the back of her head. But I'm kind of wondering with the other ones, if they were already dead and they were cadavers that they found or if they were murder victims.
1: It's kind of Mm. like with the... Oh, I see what you're saying. Kind of like with the
0: Persian princess where there's no way to tell, like no one knows if it was a body that was like someone who had already died before anything was done or if it was someone killed for the purpose.
1: I would tend to lean toward it was someone killed for the purpose. Yeah, probably. Because I feel like a guy having this specific thing where he just wants to cut up bodies he's found and just finding all these bodies, I feel like it's more believable to me that it's someone who's killing Yeah, him. and I guess it would be kind of hard to find a lot of cadavers. I mean, we already
0: know all about resurrection men and all that. Yeah, I've heard of that one, but I've never heard, like, I don't think all the details of it.
1: Yeah. That was really interesting and horrifying. It's horrifying. It really is. And also, it's one where I don't think we're going to find answers on who he is or who oh, they are. Because nobody thought to take DNA cause because you would have to be a time traveler back then. There was absolutely no way for them to even fathom
0: that that might be a thing in the future. No.
1: I, yeah, I don't even know how that could be solved. I think it's never going to be solved. It's the first case I've done where I'm like, this is not I going to just, be solved. Yeah.
0: Unless, like, I think this is one where, like, a written confession from the time or some kind of document from the time like would have going to be through found.
1: Some doctor or some butcher's, somebody's got some papers that are in, like, some, somebody's just got these artifacts from their family from the time and they find, like, think, a confession or a journal or something. I think that's literally the only way that this could ever be solved. And even then, how much stock would we put into a confession? I th- yeah, you I know, mean. yeah.
0: So that one, man.
1: I'm glad I did not live in a Victorian London. Yeah. Also, I was watching. This kind of got me into like some history documentaries, and I sent you a text about how um, they put like alum and plaster oh, of Paris in the bread, the borax, and they put the borax in the milk. Yeah, to yes. to like take the acidity down. Yes.
0: How are any of us alive? And don't forget, they used to. God, was it Victorian England where they used to have to go to the countryside for the fresh air and stuff because they had lead in the paint in their walls and it was making them sick and they didn't realize. So they'd leave their homes, go on vacation like the countryside or somewhere where there's no lead paint, recover, go home, and they just
1: didn't get the correlation. I am so happy every day that I don't live in Victorian England. Same. Like, it's not something I think of every day, but I feel like... Oh,
0: I think of it regularly. Anytime (laughs) I go to a bathroom and there's indoor plumbing, I'm like, thank God. So should we do our identified? Yes, I guess. It's time for the identified. I had a really hard time choosing which one to do. It was between this one and another one that also involved a well. I was like, oh, I could bookend it with wells. But I decided on this one, finally. Mostly because I found a newspaper article on newspapers.com and got very excited. Ooh. So... This is our identified but unsolved dough. Copy that. Okay, so the sources for this one are the Doe Network, of course, uh, the Baltimore Sun, the April 24th, 1985 issue, which is what I found on newspapers.com, mm-hmm. the Capital Gazette, an article by Alex Mann, and ABC News, an article by Emily Shapiro. On Tuesday, April 23rd, 1985, work was being done at the construction site of the future Tobman shopping mall on Marley Station Road. I've also seen the mall called Marley Station Mall. And it was very controversial. I kept finding articles where people were like, we don't want this mall.
1: Oh. So nothing has changed. I really just, this is because one of my greatest joys in life is watching dead mall videos on youtube oh my god yes i really want to know what the mall looks like now and if it's still standing if it's dead how's it how it's doing oh, i only found one of like plans for what the mall will look like when it opens but i didn't check
0: to see if it's still around Mm. Anyway, so this mall was being built on the west side of Ritchie Highway in Harrendell, Maryland. Shortly after 5 p.m., Bowen Asbury, a 41-year-old worker, was clearing tree stumps with heavy machinery when he came across a horrifying find. A decomposed, partially skeletal body hidden inside a metal trash can. It was hidden Ew. in some bush, so he had done a pass and digging up the bush and saw this can, didn't think anything of it. looked again and went, oh. Investigators believed that the body had been there for no more than a year due to the presence of fluids inside the can. So this is important to remember. Okay, fluids inside can that probably stunk and was really gross. Oh,
1: absolutely. Oh my god, that's, that's a terrible
0: discovery. Mm-hmm. The remains belonged to a white man approximately 16 to 20 years old with short brown hair. He was 5'8 to 5'11 and 155 to 165 pounds, and investigators believed his teeth had been worked on at a dental school. I couldn't quite figure out why. Uh, He was found wearing a gray or blue and black wool sweater. Some sources say gray or grayish and some say blue and black. Which to me sounds like stripes. And also completely different. Three totally different colors, yeah. Yeah, so that's going on. Uh, With long-sleeved off-white button down shirt with snaps on the collar. So I think it's like when you have the pointed things and they can snap down. Oh, yeah. Um, made by, oh, limited edition, a pair of size 28 slash 27 khaki pants with cuffed legs, so I kind of think that's the rolled up legs, um, with adjustable buttons on the waistband and a metal zipper, briefs, a white or off-white undershirt, and black lace-up leather shoes stamped with bonded cellulose, and the Doe Network made sure to point out the bonded cellulose patent was filed on April 3rd, nineteen seventy. Patent number three six four three three five three. So if anyone's
1: interested in patents, you can go look that up. I was just going to say that seems like it's important information because they're pointing it out, but I don't know why. I guess for the date of the shoes, but also I think patents
0: can be filed after a thing's already been named.
1: So that means basically what that is trying to say then is that he was there after 1970? That's what it seems to be implying, but
0: as we will find out later... Mm -mm. Oh, okay. Along with the man's remains, there were seven coins, the newest one dated 1963. Oh, okay. Mm. A plastic comb, a ring of keys believed to be from an apartment or hotel, some letters, three folded sheets of paper, nail clippers, and a small canister. The man was dubbed Oscar, and I don't know why. The Anne Arundel County, which is, I think, where this town was, uh, the police department's cold case unit worked on the case for 34 years. Wow. At the time of the body's discovery, they canvassed the scene, interviewed any potential witnesses, and scoured missing persons reports and looked through dental records. They even got help from the Smithsonian Institute, and then recently had a digital facial approximation done by Paraben Labs, which we've seen a few times. So, let me show you that. Okay, so here's the Paraben Labs one. Oh, yeah. Here's the keys. Okay. And here is a clay bust
1: done. Okay, interesting yes also i want to note that he has a very sticky outy tooth he does have a sticky outy tooth in the is it paraben yeah yeah in the paraben reconstruction also whenever they find keys like in woodlawn jane doe i'm like why don't we just go to every single place every single place with a key in the town (laughs) and just just try it everywhere (laughs)
0: like everything
1: yeah that's a lot of manpower and And also impossible and also would creep out like literally a lot of people yeah That reminds me, did
0: I tell you the time where I went to a building and I forgot which floor the apartment I was going to was? And I went one floor too high and put the key in the lock? Oh, no. And I heard someone. And so I like scurried down to the next floor and then I realized I had (gasps) missed a door to go through. And then I think it was the next day I found a note in the lobby saying that like, everyone make sure not to let strangers into the building. Somebody tried to enter my unit yesterday. So I had to like leave a little note saying, hi. I, for- I wasn't paying attention and went to the wrong floor. No one was trying to break in. Sorry. Oh, my God. Yeah. Oh, my God. On June 19th of this year, 2019, they finally revealed that they had the man's identity thanks to forensic genealogy. Yay. Yeah. Heck yeah. Our favorite thing. Our absolute favorite thing. And the man was 19 or 20-year-old Roger Hearn Kelso, born August 28th, 1943, in Fort Wayne, Indiana. And it's 19 or 20 because they don't know exactly which year he was murdered.
1: But so that would mean that he was probably murdered around 63, which makes sense because that Mm -hmm. was the, okay.
0: Roger left his home in 1962 or 63 and disappeared. His family knew something was wrong when he didn't show up for an important family gathering in 1963. At the press conference attended by six of Roger's family members, his younger sister Mary Ellen Huffman described the last time she saw him, quote, When he left, he was very peaceful, very hopeful. He was looking forward to life and his next job, which to me implies
1: that maybe he was having some difficulties beforehand. Some difficulties that he was in the process of overcoming and was hopeful about it.
0: Yeah, just because it's a little strange...
1: Yeah, the way that there was nothing going on. Yeah. And he was hopeful for his next job, which maybe sounds like maybe there was some sort of situation where employment was maybe an issue for some reason. Exactly. Yeah. I think
0: also, I think this also kind of implies that he didn't seem to be in any distress about anything that would give an indication of why he was
1: murdered. Right, it's not like he's hanging out with a new weird crowd or he's like concerned that someone's stalking him or something. Exactly, like just seem everything seemed
0: fine and normal. The family was grateful that they finally had Roger back and could lay him to rest in the family plot in Luden Park in Baltimore, Maryland. Roger delivered papers growing up in the 100 block of Whip Lane in Glen Burnie and he was the president of the art club at Glen Burnie High, where he was part of the graduating class of 1961. But none of his relatives knew what he got up to after that. Investigators revealed that he died from severe trauma to his upper torso, but they are keeping back further details because now they need to find Roger's killer. Yeah,
1: they do. Do you have photos of him? I do. I'm just about to open those. Okay, so we saw those. Yeah. So here... Oh, he, I was like, he sounds like such a sweetie.
0: And this is... The, undated photo, but this looks like it was taken probably in high school.
1: Yeah, he looks very young in that photo. So I think he probably looked very similar to this. Yeah. When he disappeared. And I know we say this, but he's just like a dude living his life.
0: Yep. And here's another photo of him when he was a little kid.
1: Little baby Roger. Maybe about like 10 or 11. Yeah, I'd say maybe even a little younger than that.
0: Because he's definitely over seven because he has his adult front teeth. And you can see there's the very prominent oh, yeah. left medial incisor. Okay, compared. for
1: people who don't know what... No, you guys will learn. Okay, well, <laughs> please teach us, Professor Caitlin, what is yes. that? Um, right? It's like the upper left incisor, like in the middle of your mouth. And it's interesting because um, you can see in... Um, The paraben one, he's kind of got a bit of like a modern haircut. Yeah. And then you can see in... I'm assuming this one is from 85. It's definitely the 85. Yeah, yeah. you can totally tell that that is like an 80s 80s. haircut. And then when you look at his actual photo, like it's a very 60s haircut. Exactly. Because they were
0: going with the assumption that he had died within like, like maybe an
1: 84. When we were talking about the patent thing...
0: So he was wearing those it was the shoes, right? Pat with a patent in nineteen seventy. So what I think cause you know when you think see things like patent pending. Yes. So I think that's what it was. So I think patent pending means before you actually have the patent.
1: That is a wise assumption, I feel
0: like. So I think that's what it was. So but um since the donut work that was before it was identified, all that information. So that would have been used as another clue of like if the patent was filed in nineteen seventy. Then they would go, okay, maybe he – so he died after 1970. But as we know, he probably died before 1970. Yes. I mean, this was June of this year.
1: Oh, wow.
0: Yeah, when he was identified. So it's still a pretty fresh now homicide case. Yeah. Because obviously, I mean, they would have been investigating homicide back in the 80s. But But now now they have a
1: whole new
0: lead. Now it's like starting from square one of, okay, this is how we – and they're looking at any patterns before his disappearance and who he would have been associating with and all that. And one thing they they've released this photo. I it looks like a yearbook photo.
1: It, I would bet a lot of things that that is a yearbook photo. So
0: they're asking anybody who was in that high school at the same at the same time as him if they knew him and could give it some indication. Just of, any
1: information because
0: right? nineteen, like that's if he graduated when he was like 17 18 like that's not long after graduation no, yeah, that he disappeared a
1: fresh new adult at that time exactly so it
0: it would be pretty likely for him to have still had contact with people he knew in totally. high school who had some totally. knowledge of what he was doing especially since he was still in Glen Burnie it's one of those things where someone knows something Exactly. exactly yeah. i mean that's actually one of the quotes in the oh i think
1: that's how one of the articles ends let me see before i forget yeah people out there know something and I just saw in Caitlin's scrolling, Kelso's, this is from ABC News, quote, Kelso's sister called her brother a gentle, trusting person, yeah. quote so, so far, that's all we have on
0: the case of Roger Kelso, but we now know who he is. That's a huge step. All right, so those are all of the cases for our super special Halloween-esque episode, which will be released before Halloween.
1: So, you can find us on Twitter at Dope Podcast. You can find us on Instagram also at Dope Podcast.
0: And that's where all of the pictures that we describe and talk about in the
1: episode will be posted. Uh, we also have a Facebook page, which is under Dough Podcast. Um, you can send us an email if you want at at gmail.com. You could leave us a rating or a, re- a review on wherever you find podcasts. That would be awesome. Those that would be, that'd would be super so cool. cool. We would love you forever. I'd be into that. Thank you so much, preemptively for that. Yes, and like send us DMs or tweets or messages. We love hearing from people, and we seriously have like a list of the listener suggestions in yes. our spreadsheet. Yeah, you added a yes. You added a page. I saw So that. we are going to get through them, guys. And thank you so much for sending those. It's so exciting.
0: All right, and now this is a PSA for our Canadian listeners. Yeah. As you all know, the federal election, or as you all should know, the federal election is coming up October 21st. And first, um, registering for voting. Oh, I meant to look up the website to register for voting. To get your voter registration. Which, it's good to get your voter registration. Yeah, you get it for ease but, of things. Cause, I mean, it's good to have it because you know where to
1: go vote. And it takes less time. But if you want to go to a voting place and just vote... And it's like the voting place for your place of residence. Like you know where to go already. Yeah. You can just go in and you don't need to have a voter registration Yeah, just make sure you have a valid ID. I've had to
0: do that a bunch of times because they'll just not send it to me. And I went in and they're like, do you have it? And I'm like, no. It's like, okay, do you have an ID? Yeah. Okay, here you are. Yep. I mean, I've lived at the same address since 98, so. But if you want to register, you go to the elections.ca and it's on their front page. And it's super easy. It takes, like, no time at all. If you've moved since the
1: last election, go do it. Both those ways are very simple. Voting is really a very important thing to do and... It's super easy to do.
0: Yes. And, like, 18 to 24, I think, is the group of voters that vote the least often and are the most important. Okay, so we are going to get on our
1: soapbox again.
0: Our very tall, loud soapbox. So when you're yeah. voting... Do not vote Andrew Sheer, please, and thank you.
1: Just uh, people who aren't from Ontario may not know how terribly the Doug Ford oh, thing is God. going. Like, it's so bad that high school kids can't graduate because he's cutting the classes that they need to graduate or get into the program that calculus they want Calculus has been cut in schools, of all things, calculus.
0: So people who have university programs they want to go to, can't go to them but then don't forget he's offering you can pay to take the classes if you want which is not how public school works um but anyway so Ontario's current situation I would say is like a miniature of what all of Canada would be if sheer one
1: I have not heard one thing about this dude where I have been like oh okay it's just shit across the board
0: yep because he was criticizing oh do you remember who he he's been criticizing other politicians in the past for having dual canadian american citizenship hey guess what he's got it we just found out he's
1: got american citizenship but not only that just like his ideology is really shit
0: um he denies climate change he's finally admitted that he is anti-choice which we all already knew but he's now finally publicly admitted it he will not march in a pride parade oh god no every other leader did um he voted twice against giving same-sex couples the right to marry and he was still fighting against it once it was already law that we could oh he is also a favorite of white supremacists so that's cool
1: horrifying it's just horrifying that this
0: oh he believes it's wrong for transgender people to want to be identified by the preferred pronoun Um, He's anti-feminist, of course. He's anti-immigrant, of course. He wants to remove gun control from the RCMP and give it to a neutered ombudsman, leaving Canadians vulnerable to more illegal handguns and possible sale of assault rifles, which we've already been having kind of an influx of because of what's going on in the states currently. We've had an increase in gun violence, especially in Toronto.
1: Yeah, there's been some very recent things in memory, like the van attack. Oh, and yeah. the Danforth strong thing, oh yeah, it's just horrifying and terrifying, and sheer also he believes that Canadian age should be tied to religion, oh my God, sorry, I hadn't did that one Trump before
0: do that recently, he thought it was they if you didn't share the same religious ideology that you don't get. American aid? I think it's the same. Can I
1: just point out that I did not realize it, but my hand has been put into a fist. An angry fist. Like, I got little
0: angry fist hands happening. What else have we got? He's voted against safe injection sites. He's voted against the right to assisted death. He's voted against women's fertility and abortion rights. He doesn't want there to be studies on hate crime in Canada. So that's cool. He promotes the discrimination against Muslim Canadians under the guise of free speech, like a certain Trump. And all of the information from Shear or about Shear comes from a graphic that I found a while ago. And the sources for that are verified information taken from parliamentary voting records, public statements, personal interviews, and audio video recordings.
1: But also I feel like in the under the umbrella of like intersectionalism, a lot of these things kind of come back to it because um like if there are okay this is just something that i'm just like completely making up this scenario but it's definitely happened before um what if there's a woman and abortions are illegal so she goes to an illegal abortion doctor she dies the doctor doesn't want to deal with it he dumps her she becomes a doe which is
0: the theory that happened with black dahlia
1: exactly so we're saying like all of these political things but in reality i think it does they are it's connected to the podcast oh they are
0: absolutely tied to our dough cases because then um like you look at the undocumented migrants because my my main interest with forensic anthropology is undocumented migrants um sites of like war crimes like the um a Sikh genocide that's one that no one really talks about uh, where yeah. it's like mass graves and then mass disasters. So mass disasters, that's tied to climate change. Yeah. Because a lot of it is um, like Korea, Japan hit by tsunamis. That's a huge thing. Mm-hmm. Um, immigration policies tied to undocumented migrants. It's it's all war crimes. It's like when you have these people in charge, they promote hate and that promotes killing. Yeah. So really... What's what's our little tie up of that? Cause every
1: single vote matters.
0: That's our PSA for this time. I can't guarantee that we won't keep having little messages after no, the I end th- of
1: our episode. I think we're definitely I think it's just something where it's like two minutes. You guys can skip if you want, but I think we're gonna get on our little soapbox some more. Just cause yeah, I like people to know where
0: we stand because it is related to. It is. A cases. lot of these things
1: are related to what we're talking about in the episodes. Mhm. Like well, maybe not in a direct way, but, but in an in indirect some, way yeah. in that we're all on this little planet together kind of way. Exactly. So, thank you for listening. See you guys. Bye. Bye.